to the porch. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics. Examining the Word of God, focusing on the book of Acts Church, to see how the early church served the Lord. The Porch Online Bible Study is always taking a deeper look into the early church's service to the kingdom of God. Our desire has always been to find and restore the priesthood of the believer and regain that world-shaking influence that the early church had. We dig deeper into Scripture, and in doing so, we find the church the Lord intended and not the one that man created. Church age is not over. What took place in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost. If you know that, believe that, and realize that there's more to your spiritual walk with Yeshua, with Jesus, you're welcome to join us on this journey as we get back to basics. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or you can write us directly at the porch, lowercase, one word, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, and we hope that you would, and we appreciate the support and encouragement of everyone who does, go to the main page for Firefall Talk Radio, and there are ways to do so. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. I apologize for my voice. This is the Barry White Bible study. Barry White. Are you old enough to know who Barry White is? If not, then that joke just went over your head, but... If you can deal with my voice, I can deal with using it. Updates on the website. I mentioned the link to all of the streaming sites, Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc. They're all there. So if you have an iPhone and you want to do it on Apple Podcasts, do so. You have an Android, why I don't know. But if you do, you can use Google and so on. That way you never miss one of our sessions of the porch. Remember, if you need prayer or you want to pray for others in the porch community, reach out to us. Let us know. We'll hook you up into the prayer chain. Remember, we honestly care about you. I pray for everyone I know by name. And if I don't know you by name, I just call you the porch community. And I know the Lord knows who you are. Make sure you subscribe to us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on YouTube, so that you're up to date when we post new things. And we're trying to be a little better at that. You know, we've kind of skipped it, praise reports, prayer requests, and I'm going to do it as the Lord leads. But, I, you know, we're talking about the fire of the Holy Spirit. We're still dealing with the after effects of the Asbury Revival, which, by the way, they shut down public access to it and the town shut down. And I don't know if that was the Lord or not, but it doesn't matter. The fire can go anywhere it wants, and the Spirit can do whatever he wants. So I praise our Heavenly Father, our Abba Father, Papa, Daddy. I praise Him for how much He loves us, for how much He did to have right relationship with us. He did all the work, and He sent Yeshua to do it for us. It was His blood. It was His death. It was the cross, the scourging, all the things that are horrific and we don't even want to think about he did that for you, and he did that for me. Don't ever take that for granted. So I praise him for that. I praise the Lord that he is king of kings and lord of lords, and he still considers us. He wants to hear from us. He wants to spend time with us. And I love spending time with him. And for the fact that he sent back his Holy Spirit to teach us and to guide us and to walk with us, and we're going to talk about him tonight. But everything I have... My salvation, my family, my home, my furry kids, everything is from the Lord. My life is in Yeshua. It's in Jesus. There's no part of my life that he does not own, and I don't gladly give up to him. He is everything to me. That's why I love doing these Bible studies. I love talking about him. I love talking about the word praying and believing that you will get to that intimacy that I've experienced all these years. So I praise him for that. Praise him for the the technology, for the ability to do that. I praise him for you. 
As I said, some of you I know, some of you I don't. But I praise him for you. You are appreciated. You are loved in the Lord. And if you have a need, please let us know. Please reach out. Go to the one of the social media platforms or go to the website and just tell us. Tell us what your need is. Father, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you for Yeshua. We thank you for the empty tomb, the upper room. We thank you that the cross is bare. Yeshua is alive. He sits at your right hand, and we sit with him in the heavenly places. And oh, what a view it is. We thank you for the word, living and written. We thank you for how much you love us and what you're showing us and what you're doing and preparing us for. And most of all, we're so excited that we're going to see you again, that you're coming back. The signs are blaring. The king is coming. So bless this time. Bless the technology. Bless the word. Let your will be done. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would meet them at their need, whatever it is they need this night during this time that you would do for them, that they would feel your presence, that they would hear your voice, and they would feel how much you love them. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. I did forget one announcement. Tomorrow is my wife Deb's birthday, so everybody say happy birthday, Deb. We're not going to sing because, again, Barry White doesn't sing happy birthday. But bless her. And uh, I have been blessed by her. So Bibles are open. If they're not, they should be. Tangible, physical Bibles. Digital ones are fine. I use them too. It makes it easier to cut and paste. But I have multiple physical Bibles. Some that go all the way back to my salvation. Barely held together. And one is my main Bible. And it's held together with black Gorilla tape. The binding has been broken. We're talking revival. We're talking the fire of his spirit stirs up the fire within us. Remember 2 Timothy 1.6. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, if you've never had that experience, I have. I have participated in that experience. But what Paul is saying, stir it up. In the Greek, it's, Anazupurio, the the resuscitation, yeah, that's easy to say, the resuscitation of a flame to kindle afresh, to revive. It's like using the bellows to blow air into uh, embers that are going out and get them going again, stir it up, bring it back to life. That's what we're seeing happening in the universities and, and churches across America, the buildings, not the people. We're seeing it in the people, too, but I'm not going to go there. I was going to say some things, and the Holy Spirit went, nope, you're not going to say that, so I won't. But he's bringing things to life. He's bringing people to life. Even in the Old Testament, the word revive, hayah, to live, to cause to live, being made alive. That old King James Version English word was quicken. I like that, to quicken, to stir it up, to bring it to to life. Well, that's what he desires for his church, to flourish, to blossom again, to live again, to regain life. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says, in view of the frequent modern use of revive and revival, It is worthy to notice that it is to Timothy himself the exhortation is addressed. 
we too often merely pray for revivals, forgetting that it is for us to stir into flame the gift of the Spirit which we have already received of God. It's ours from Him. But we let it lie dormant as a slumbering ember, merely. We let the fire go out. Pray for it right now. If you if you are one of those people that has allowed the fire to go out, that it just is barely there, in the name of Yeshua Mashiach, Jesus the Messiah, stir it up. Get set on fire once again for the Lord, for the kingdom. The Dictionary of Bible Themes says revival is the sovereign activity of God whereby he renews his people individually and corporately in vigor, both sincerity of belief and quality of behavior, affecting both sincerity of belief and quality of behavior. When the fire is stirred up, you're different. And that's why the enemy doesn't want it. It doesn't want people fired up. It doesn't want that zeal. It wants you to be cold and dead and lukewarm. Well, I don't know how you can watch the news and see what's going on in the world and seeing what's going on in your family or your friends or all around you and be lukewarm. I just, I'm sorry, I don't. I get up and I'm inspired, inspired. That that spirit within me gets gets riled up. Last week I read the scripture and I'm going to apply it differently. Psalm 119, verse 37. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. And I added both worldly and religious. And revive me in your way. Speaking to the Lord. Ask him to turn your eyes away from worthless things. Whether they're worldly or religious. Folks, let's get real. A lot of the stuff that's done in congregations and sanctuary is worthless. Absolutely, totally spiritually worthless. It's a dog and pony show. It's a performance. It's a concert. It's smoke and lights and mirrors. And people get riled up. They get agitated. Then the minute the lights are on and people leave, the fire goes down because it wasn't real. And that's what people are tired of. That's what this Kentucky outpouring has brought to light. This is a quote from somebody. I don't know who it was from. It was sent to me. From somebody who was there, says, Generation Z is leaving the church. No, we're leaving religion. We're leaving spaces where God is not free to move. We have an urgency to pursue what is real and true. We don't want a performance, we want the authentic presence of God. These are the moments I could dwell in forever. This is just the beginning of what is to come. Uh, If you don't know who Generation Z is, Gen Z for short, also known as Zoomers, they're the youth, (coughs) excuse me, I'm sorry, the youth that were born from 1997 to 2012. That's who's leading this movement of worship and confession and repentance, and praise, and adoration. That's who's crying out for the surrender to the holiness of God, starting in Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky, and then it went to Lee University, and then it went to this university, went over here, and went over there, and went even went to secular schools, and these kids are hungry for the real deal, something I've always craved. Now, but I'm going to offer you a confession, and maybe some of you some grace, and that in the beginning, I got caught up in church. The doors were open. I was there. I was Pastor Shelley's shadow. And if you weren't there, I, I couldn't understand why. And then the Lord stripped us of that, gave us the home church, saw, showed us what it was really all about. And what's interesting, we got here to Orlando And the Lord put me back in traditional congregations. And there was one place we were going to. I was helping out the pastor. And we went on vacation. We missed a week. 
we weren't there. And when we came back, the pastor's mother-in-law said, oh, we were afraid you had backslidden. And being the very subtle, calm person that I am, and I said, and why would you think that because we missed a week in a building? Come on. I can have church anywhere. Wherever two or more gather together, there also is he. I can do it in my car. I can do it in here in my studio. I can do it anywhere with him and with you. And that's what the enemy doesn't want you to know. So Generation Z is what is leading this worship. And it's interesting that it's coming just as a movie about the 1970s Jesus Revolution is coming into theaters. Now, if you don't know what that is, in the 1970s, there was a hotly debated fourth grade awakening, which did not receive as much acceptance of the first three because of how it came. See, at the time, the late 60s, early 70s, you've got mainline Protestant denominations weakening. You got conservative religious denominations as the Southern Baptist and the Missouri Synod Lutherans growing in numbers, spreading, but having grave theological battles and schisms and getting involved in politics, and those organizations are still around today. <coughs> I'm sorry. But the Jesus Freak Movement, as it was called, began on the West Coast and began to spread throughout North America and Europe dying out in the early 1980s. And I'll show you why it died out. And it started in a living room and then a small storefront of an evangelical mission in San Francisco's Haight-Ashbury district by hippies who had become Christians who had the social outcry of outreach means reaching out. So it was fed by the hippie counterculture. So the Jesus movement, and you can look it up and you can see pictures of the mass baptisms on the beaches in California. They were disenchanted with American life and American church life. And they became Jesus freaks. And out of that came various denominations like the Vineyard and Calvary Chapel and other organizations, and it began to impact the Christian right, the Christian left, uh, music, Christian rock, Christian metal. But here's what happened. It's what always happens. Hey, let's form a church. Let's go get a building. Let's go sit in a pew. Let's get a stage. And the fire went out. But just like now, they were disgusted with the traditions of men and denominations. They wanted to worship the Lord organically, free of all of that, free of the superstar Christianity. But then they became the very thing they rebelled against. That's man's patterns. So I said something last week that has really resonated with me, that the cry for revival is a sign that we know better that we know what we're doing is not his best for us, that we know we are the problem, and that we know he's the only answer to that problem. He's the only one who can revive the fire. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, revive that fire. The reason he's the only one that can revive it is because he's the one who sent it. Look at John 14, verses 16 and 17. Yeshua said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Abide is permanent residence. Once he's there, he's not going anywhere. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The world doesn't understand this. This Jesus uh, Revolution movie, um, Kelsey Grammer plays Chuck Smith, the man who that started uh, Calvary Chapel and was the pastor that 
triggered that whole Jesus revolution. He was on uh, Kelly Ripa and, and Kelly Live, whatever that's called. And he was trying to talk about the movie. But the movie has so impacted him that he kept crying. He kept becoming emotional. And they were, they didn't know what to do. They were trying to understand. And he just, it was the Holy Spirit. He had been touched. That's what the Spirit does. But when the Helper comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, emanates from the Father, he will testify of me. And you will also bear witness because of you've been with me from the beginning. The Holy Spirit reminds you of Yeshua, not of himself. He doesn't bring attention to himself. He reminds you of the Lord. He reminds you of what the Lord said. He reminds you of what the Lord did. That's what that fire is all about. The comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby comes. And he lives with you forever. And he's been sent from the Father. He is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. And he testifies regarding the Lord. You are connected to the throne room if his spirit is within you. Now think about that. The spirit proceeds from the Father. It goes out. It departs. It comes inside us. It's an inside-out relationship. We've talked about this a lot, and I didn't realize that I actually started talking about this a while ago. I looked up in some of the old notes I had. It comes inside out from the Father, from the throne room, into us, and proceeds from inside of us to others. That's what revival does. What you're seeing in the stories and the YouTube videos and the accounts is repentance and people crying and people singing and and loving on one another. That's what it was all about. It wasn't about religion. It wasn't about building buildings or vacation Bible studies. And I, I understand why you have those things, but that wasn't what he died for. One of the last things he said to the disciples in Luke 24 was, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued, literally soaked into, died with the power from on high. And then he left. That was the last thing he said. He led them as far out as Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. And then he parted from them, carried up into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. Abide, permanent residence. So why are we looking for it externally? I still see people, people that should know better, singing songs and praying prayers about the Spirit coming down. It's already in you. Stir it up. This indwelling of the Holy Spirit is foundational to everything he wants us to do, to all the ministries, to all the work. But here comes the problem. Yeah, there's always going to be a problem. The enemy's always going to put a problem. Religion looks for external solutions to internal problems. The Holy Spirit wants to deal with things inside out. He wants to focus on you from the inside out so that you can then take that outside to others and do the same with them. The enemy would rather trick you into focusing on the external to ignore the internal, i.e. the Holy Spirit. That religious spirit that ruled the Pharisees, that rules the religious leaders of today, Values the external over the internal. 
the Lord looks at your heart. And our heart either confirms us or condemns us. Proverbs 4.23 Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. The issues of life flow out of us, inside out. Who we are comes from the inside. I've always said, you want to know what's inside somebody? Watch them get squeezed. You'll find out. Lord said in John 15, red letter basics here, starting verse 4, dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Live in me and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding in, being vitally connected to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. If a person does not dwell in me, he's thrown out like a broken off branch and withers. And such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and they are burned. If you live in me, abide vitally connected to me. And my words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts. Ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. If he's divine and where are the branches? Where does the sap come from? The sap that goes from the vine to the branch to the fruit, where does it come from? Where does the fruit come from and appears? Inside out. Too many, too many want you to see the outside, want you to be distracted by the visuals. And the Lord did not do that. You can't find that in his ministry. 1 John 2, 6. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. The Lord walked in humility. He walked in simplicity and gladness of heart. How did we get so far off? Because the enemy tricked us to looking at the outside to building things. It took 300 years. But Constantine, when he took over control of the church, when it was given to him by the religious leaders of that day, he took them out of the homes and put them in the basilicas and had them build buildings, and the church died. The fire began to go out. And periodically, the Father's got to do things like he's doing now, stir things up, stir people up, get the fire burning, get evangelism going, get people saved, healed, and delivered before the fire goes out again. But I'm going to say this. On Wednesday, February 22nd at 7.29 p.m., this fire is too important to him. Anyone who gets in his way, he will remove, maybe even permanently. This fire for this generation is too important to him. And it's interesting, Generation Z, Z being the last letter of the alphabet, this could be the final generation. And he's going to use them to shake things up. He already is. But it's really sad that it had to come to this. And throughout the, the history of Israel, he had to do it. And, and the early church, he had to do it. And it just doesn't seem to end. But we're in a point where there's no more playtime. There's no more time for him to honor our foolishness. The clock is counting down. The enemy is preparing for its big coming out party. And we, the church, filled with his spirit, have been told to resist it and push back. We're supposed to be new creations. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. 
2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any person, anyone, whoever you are, if any person is engrafted in Messiah, he or she is a new creation, a new creature altogether. That's what born again means, born from above. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. Even after all these years, I still remember that feeling. I still remember being that new creation. And then the cares of this world and all the things going on tries to put that out, but I, I won't let it. I fight with it all the time. That's why I detest religion. That's why I detest some of the things I'm seeing right now because it takes us back to the old ways, old things. They're gone. They passed away. That word old in the Greek is archaios. It's ancient. It's original. Such things are no more for us or in us. And that ties to the Greek word archai, which is the beginning ruling government or principality. See, if you're born again, and if you're not, we need to talk about it. If you're born again, You belong to a different ruling government. You belong to a different kingdom. And eventually the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. But right now there are two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. I know where I belong. Where do you belong? Where do you stand? Colossians 1.16 For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. He holds the universe together. By the sound of his voice, he started it, and by his very nature, he holds it together. Ephesians 1.21, he's far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come. Asatan, the fallen, yeah, they're powerful. Don't let anybody lie to you and say they have no power. They've got plenty of power. What they have is no authority. But Messiah... He rose from the dead. He was given a resurrected body, raised by the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised him from the dead's inside of you, and he ushered in a new creation. He ushered in a new universe, if you will. He'll change it all completely when it's all done, but right now we live in a different world. We're from a different universe. We're new. We have been redeemed. Our Redeemer lives, and he is the Lord of the universe. He is Lord of all, or he's not at all. He's either Lord of every part of your life, or he's not at all. And when I worked on this today, and I could feel it, I can feel it right now. When I worked on this today, I knew it was about stirring up the fire that was in you, to get you stirred up, to get you to understand where we are in the prophetic timelines. You are a new creation transferred into a, a new kingdom. And we, we're there together, and we need to do this together. Because the enemy has got a plan. And I'm here to screw up those plans. I'm here by his order. I'm here by his power. I'm here by his decree. So there should be a change inside of us there should be a change in our nature and that's what many of you are struggling with you're struggling with old programming emotional mental physical but you're you're struggling with your old nature and the sooner you can recognize the old you the the quicker you can put that zombie to sleep because as long as you keep feeding it As long as you keep paying attention to it, it's going to keep raising up looking for food. 
since you have heard about Yeshua and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, a truly righteous and holy nature. That's Ephesians four twenty-one through 24. You're a new creation. Stop letting the enemy trick you into being the old you. If you're going to throw off that old sinful nature and form a way of life, it's a choice. That's what these kids are responding to. That's what people are responding to. It's the repentance. It's the brokenness. It's the realization that they've fallen short of the glory because of their own choices, not because of anything he did. And when that feeling of conviction comes, there is a response. In Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John are heading to the temple and they heal the lame man on on Solomon's porch, he explains what just happened and he tells the crowd, Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. They would ask, what shall we do? And Peter would tell them, repent, turn, be changed, be converted, be refreshed in his presence. Peter couldn't keep silent. I can't keep silent. Nothing's going to shut me up. I'm not going to let the stones out praise me. David said that in Psalm 32, verses 3 through 5, when I kept silent. My bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity, which is inbred sin, I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. David understood forgiveness. He understood grace. David, as great a man as he was, as great a leader and warrior and king as he was, he was a screw-up. He made some seriously bad decisions and paid the price for it. But he understood, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. If you mess up, fess up. That's all. Just go before him. Say, Dad, I missed, I screwed up. I'm sorry. I, I, please forgive me. Let's cover this sin. Let's not give the enemy any access to it. Right now, I just said that, and some of you started remembering things, things that you've left uncovered, things that you've left out there for the enemy to take advantage of. Put it under the blood. He'll forget it. He won't remember it anymore. Whatever it was, whatever just came to mind, Say, Father, I repent in the name of Yeshua. I repent in the name of Jesus. Wash me clean. Set me free. And let me go forth a new creation free of that. Be be renewed in the power of the Holy Spirit. The other thing I see happening in Asbury and some of these other places, people are starting to remember who they are. 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know? that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Again, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? We've forgotten this because we don't talk about it. Oh, God forgives you. Grace is grace. All is grace. Yeah, he forgives you. But you shouldn't keep doing the things that you do. The phrase I use, I've used it the entire time I've been saved. I have no idea where I got it from. Yes, he loves you just as you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. The Holy Spirit that lives inside of us is there to walk with us and to talk with us and to teach us and to guide us. And he does so in every believer. And 
Apparently, it wasn't well known in the church of that day because Paul had to remind them of this fact. And it's still necessary to remind believers today. Too often, too often, and I see it on social media, I see it in the writings, too often God's children seem to think that the Spirit comes and goes. And this erratic, unpredictable behavior of the Spirit is based on their individual feelings. No, He is inside of you. And when people come together, the Spirit moves. It's not based upon who's on stage or the song you sing or any icons hanging from the ceiling. It's based upon you. We saw that. My wife and I went to an early crusade up in Atlanta. I'll just say to Benny Hinn. We got to go and we got there early because we had a connection who got us in and got us good seats and all that kind of stuff. And we sat there hours beforehand, by the way, as the workers came in and the people that came in early and the prayer team that were walking around praying for people and suddenly you hear a scream over here, a cry over there. People were getting healed. People were being changed. They were coming out of wheelchairs. They were dropping canes. And all the miracles you see parading across any stage that the speaker takes credit for has happened hours before by the people praying in the arenas, in the buildings, because the Holy Spirit met them at their needs. I've been in places where I wondered why God was honoring what was going on. And then one time he just said to me, my children are here and they need me. I'm going to show up. The truth of the Spirit is inside of us. And it's not dependent upon feeling or knowing. In fact, some of you need to stop with the thinking. Well, I think it's this way. Well, no. The word says otherwise. Well, it's how I feel. Well, your feelings are not the, the truth. External is feeling. Internal is faith. Pray for your faith to be strengthened. Pray for the measure of faith necessary to get you out of your situation. Know that right now the allergy season here is brutal. It's mid-February, late February. And... My black car is yellow because of the pollen. Couldn't even sit in the sun by the pool trying to bake this out of me because the pollen was coming through the screen and I started coughing. But you know what? I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. And I continue to pray and believe for healing. I continue to pray and believe that my old allergies and my old divi- my old design passed down to me by my ancestry and my lineage, I am a new creation, and I am going back to my divine design. I believe it by faith. I speak to things not as they are, but as they should be in accordance with his word and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Whether you're carnal or spiritual, if you're born again, the Spirit abides. Remind yourself of that when you don't feel his presence. The Lord said he's, he's permanently residing inside of me. Sin doesn't remove it, but it will mute it. He will go silent on you. I've had it done. Wondered what was going on and could not hear or feel or whatever and reached out to a brother and he just said, First thing that came to mind is the Holy Spirit asked you to do something. You didn't do it, and he has simply gone silent. Found out what it was, repented, and we were good. And you know, think about that. You have a friend. You have a friend in Jesus. You have a friend living inside of you permanently, interacting with you, bringing the love of the throne room of the Father to you. How would you think he would feel if you ignored him? How do you think he would feel if you constantly take him into places that he wouldn't go? So now he has to wait for you. He has to turn off the sound. Conviction. That's what we're talking about. Conviction is a matter of the heart. 
Repentance is the proper response. Again, that's what you're seeing in these college campuses, these buildings. You're seeing conviction hitting somebody and them repenting and getting set free, getting born again, getting restored. Romans 2, 4, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? 2 Corinthians 7, 1, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting a holiness in the fear of God. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. These were written to the early church, to the beginning foundational church. And we still need to hear it today. Because until we get our resurrected bodies, we're constantly battling a war with the flesh with our mind, with the distractions of this world, with the things that our eyes see that take us away from where we're supposed to be. Is that your heart's cry? Is this stirring up something inside of you to say, Lord, Take away from my eyes anything that draws me away from you. Pull me closer to you. Let me feel your arms wrapped around me. Because you're all I want. You're all I need. If you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. But Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near with the true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and a body washed with pure water. I I get it. It's not easy. The programming, the choices, things that have been done to us, the things we've done to ourselves, it makes it difficult at times. But he can change you from the inside out. So you're either natural or spiritual, which is that I'm naturally supernatural. I don't know about you. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned, 1 Corinthians 2.14. Now, the absence of the Holy Spirit is evidence to me of somebody who's unsaved. They're not born again. If you're born again, if you're a new creation, his spirit is with you. And there should be evidence of that. He's with all believers. It's not a hand-picked, well, you're from a different church. No, 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 I am the church. Stop. Just stop. I am the church. What denomination you belong to, don't, nope, don't believe in denominations or abominations or any of those things. Don't do it. Sorry. Been there, done that. Won't do it again. I am a born-again believer in the King of kings and Lord of lords, and I am the church. I have his spirit inside of me, the same spirit that raised him from the dead. There are two kinds of believers. They're all the same. They're all internal. Remember, the old covenant was written on external tablets. Now it's written on the hearts. He said that. I wrote it on stone, but now I'll take the stone of their hearts and I'll write it upon it. What's happening in your heart right now? What is he bringing to mind to you that he wants you to deal with? Does he want you to forgive somebody? Again, I've I've been at this going on 35 years be 35 in October, and he's still reminding me of things. He's still reminding me of of things I need to forgive, people I need to forgive. But that's what the Spirit does. 
The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is your confirmation. It's the seal of your salvation. 1 John 3.24 All who keep his commandments, who obey his orders, follow his plan, and live and continue to live, to stay and abide in him and he in them, they let Messiah be a home to them, and they are a home for and of Messiah. And by this we know and understand and have the proof that he really lives and makes his home in us by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. By this we know we abide in him and he in us. He's given us his spirit, First John 4.13. Romans 8.15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. If the Spirit abides in us, then we abide in him, the Lord. Vine, branches, sap, you get it. But without him, there is no fruit. Galatians five sixteen through 25, <clears throat> excuse me, tells us about the fruit of the flesh and then tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is. Now, if you're dealing with any one of the fruit of the flesh, I want you to get out every day, every morning, Galatians 5, 16 through 25. Read it out loud to yourself. Bind, forbid the fruit of the flesh and loose, permit the fruit of the Spirit. Begin to speak it out. Begin to change your programming. Begin to change what's going on inside of you. What we're seeing in Asbury and every place else is the fruit of the Spirit blooming, popping on branches, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All over the place, on every tree in the room, the fruit is popping. And the fruit of the flesh is dying. It's falling off. So we have to decide, flesh or spirit, that's the division, external or internal. How are we going to live? If we're going to live externally, then we are subject to the works of the flesh. If we're going to live by the Spirit, then we're going to produce the fruit of His presence. A tree is known by the fruit it produces. That's what the Lord says. I know an apple tree is an apple tree not by a sign in front of it, but by the fruit it produces. So when somebody says to me, I'm this, but I don't see that fruit, then I know they're not that. I know I've told this to you, but when I first, I was still in the business, still making movies, still writing scripts, doing all that stuff, and people would hear my testimony or, oh, I'm going to work with you, brother. I'm, I'm a Christian. And I would tell them, you know what? You tell me you're a Christian, that's great. You tell me you're an apple tree, 30 days from now, I see oranges, I'm out of here. I'm going to check on the fruit. What are you going to produce? Unfortunately, more often than not, I saw the wrong fruit. We're either going to be dominated by our sinful nature, the fruit of the flesh, or we're going to live a life in the Spirit, produce the fruit of the Spirit. And it's a struggle. Oh my goodness, is it a struggle? The flesh always wants to come back. The the sinful nature, the old nature, the programming as I call it, which we're breaking every day, we're changing every day. It always wants to rear its head. But if I'm going to choose to live by the Spirit, then I'm going to do so by a higher standard than the law can give me. I'm going to choose to live by the standard of the Lord. How he lived is how I should live. And Satan wants us to live in the flesh. He's going to energize the flesh. He's going to trigger it in your eyes. He's going to trigger it in your body. He's going to trigger it in your mind. He's going to send things to get you focused on the flesh and take you away from the spirit. And don't underestimate his ability to do so. I'm not telling you to be afraid of him, but I'm telling you, as Peter says, to understand that there's a roaring lion out there and he wants to devour you. So don't get in his mouth. Don't get near his mouth. We need to make a choice. 
just like revival is a choice. We're, always, we're either going to give free reign to the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants, or we're going to give it to our flesh to do whatever it wants. That's the inner conflict. These people that are crying out in repentance are crying out because they realize something's wrong and they need an answer, and that answer is revival. It's conviction. It's repentance. It's deliverance. That's what's happening. Nothing good lives in us, folks. This body of ours, it's not redeemed yet. It's its still the old body. But what's inside of us has changed. We have to choose to walk righteously, upright before God. Remember what the Lord said in John fourteen sixteen. This is the promise. This is the declaration. And I will pray the Father. And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Free will, free choice. Don't grieve him. If you come under conviction, repent. But we're made holy by the Holy Spirit. This fire that stirs within us is stirred up by the wind of the Spirit. So blow right now, Lord. Blow through your children. Blow through their lives. Begin to stir up that fire, the fire of that love that they had for you when they first got saved. Stir it up. The fire of the freedom that they felt in you. We're thankful. We're blessed. We choose you, Lord. We say no to the world. We say no to our old ways. We say no to our old choices. And we choose you. We choose sanctification. We choose deliverance. You've given us your spirit so that we can live a holy life in an unholy world. You've given us your power, your divine power that pertain to life and godliness through our knowledge in you that we can live in your glory and in your virtue, in your exceedingly great and precious promises. And we can be partakers of your divine nature. Yeah, you who's listening right now, who doesn't think that you can partake of his divine nature. You've been told that you're worthless. You've been told you're a failure. You've been told nothing good can ever come out of you. And I rebuke that lie in the name of Yeshua. You can live in his glory. You can live in his divine nature. You can walk tall and upright and proud because you're a child of the king. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you have been transformed by the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh, from the Father himself. Paul told us in Romans 12, too, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, the things we're seeing in Asbury and conviction, repentance, conversion. We're seeing change. That should inspire us to tell others. And the signs and wonders should follow the word that we share. And that brings forth the book of Acts community and the unity of purpose, mind, and spirit. And those are the elements of the original awakening from the book of Acts church. So my final word to you tonight is don't just sit by the fire, but take it and go with it. Share it with others. Father, I pray that the fire has been stirred up. I pray right now, just little embers are glowing and growing and taking over and consuming the flesh and consuming bondages and consuming chains and consuming things that they'd forgotten about that have been hidden in deep, dark recesses of their mind, their soul, or their spirit, just gone through the power of the Holy Spirit. You're setting them free. The words that have wounded and the things that have been done to them, gone in the name of Yeshua, consumed by the fire of the Holy Spirit. That you're changing them, perfecting them, making them into what you've always wanted them to be. 
your glorious, wonderful children. And I just pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord, may Adonai, Yeshua HaMashiach, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.